So growth is trying to find order in the chaos. So I'm going to do something that I don't think I've ever done before. I'm going to do an actual intro. I'm not just going to come ramble, which I'm doing right now. But I'm going to intro the topics so that I can stay focused and kind of stay in a groove and interconnect them where they are relevant. So today I'm talking about um, rappers' speeches and connecting it to the black experience in terms of language, Ebonics, and the word nigga. I'm also talking about saying thank you and being mindful through everyday actions. I'm going to talk about TikTok uh, post that I did, The Black Experience Matters. Is hip-hop dead to the black experience? And just the engagement and interesting conversation I've been having. Um, and I may touch on The Black Experience Matters Authenticity, which is another TikTok post discussing language of the parasite and never realizing that the way I spoke was an issue until I found myself in non-black spaces. Um, I'm not, and I'm also going to talk about smoking and the transition of what smoking marijuana has done for me, what that experience is like, and trying to be more mindful and not impose my addictive personality into it, which I did in 2020. I will say thank you. Just came back from New York last night. And good trip. It's always good to go home. Always good to reconnect. Um, I've been removing, imposing less of my ego on my TikTok. And I started recording while I drive. So I just, I, I was in New York City. I love, I love my city. I want to show it off. So instead of just recording myself walking, um, but also not having the same confidence I have out here, just to kind of be free and open space to record, um, I wouldn't find myself doing doing that in New York just yet. I've done it once, but it was like late at night. But record, just recording my recording my drive, and then just doing a voiceover on uh, the InShot app, and the posting that, and just you know getting some love from people all from Brooklyn or from uh, any of the boroughs or the tri- tri-state area. Um, someone asked me that I was Queens. I was like, Nah, BK all day. You know, just showing love, having a little fun engagement. Um, you know, expanding my reach. And trying to connect with my, my 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 original culture, my original culture. So the morning I was just cleaning up, um, and I was cleaning up around the the cat dish. Whenever Erica and I go away, her friend comes over and looks after the cat. You know, she waters our plants, feeds him water to his bowl. You know, spends a little quality time with him. And you know, I'm always appreciative of that. I'm always appreciative of people who offer kind gestures, right? Especially when it's just innately who you are, right? Like, that's a dope quality to have. So I'm cleaning around this dish, and there's, like, crumbs in the carpet. It's crumbs all over the, um, like, the old placemat we have for him. In my mind, I'm like, damn, like, <laughs> like he, all this is built up <laughs> over the course of, like, a week. And then, like, I'm going through his dish, and I'm thinking about the other additional bowl that was there because, I, you know, I placed two bowls for him to eat eat from just in case, you know, sometimes he's greedy and wants to eat more. So thinking about the other bowl and thought about Erica's friend coming and, you know, filling the bowls. So you just texted Erica, you know, please say thank you to her. Um, And knowing that, like from my previous experiences, I don't always say thank you initially. I might not just say it within the act or I might be like, you know, you know, appreciate it. Say something like, so again, I, I like the process, right? And I like to um, 
I'm processing, but I'm also, I'm also overthinking. So sometimes my mind just goes elsewhere, right? Like, all right, I did this. Now I need to move on to the next thing I need to do. And I may forget to say thank you. But going through the experience of, of life, being mindful allows me to reconnect with, you know, an experience from a day ago, two days ago, and just reach out and be like, yo, thank you. I appreciate that. The point is just to be mindful, be mindful. And on the other end of that, be patient with people who don't always say thank you immediately. We all process differently, right? Sometimes we just need time to sit on it. Sometimes it's like a like a, like a moving, right? Like imagine moving, helping your friend move. Um, and it's just a big, big, long, it's just a long process, right? A draining, exhaustive experience. You know, you do like a light thanks for everything. And like the next day or two days later, they're like, yo, I really appreciate, or, you know, just a phone call. Like, yo, you know, I really, I really appreciate that. Just, you know, it's a little, a little more extra love to let them know that they, they appreciate you. Sometimes we'll, on both ends, we're going through it, right? So be patient. Be patient with people. Rappers, you know, the, the, the way rappers spoke to the black community growing up, right? They spoke to us like we was niggas, right? They call us niggas. They call women bitches. They degrade the black experience, right? But when they go up on stage and collect their awards in front of the white audiences, they're, yeah, it's a boss, right? Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, yes, I'm appreciative. Right? Other side of it, like, I'm, I mean, I'm connecting it to, well, before I even get into that, man, hold on. I'm not, I'm not going to do too much. <laughs> I'm not going to do too much. Not going to do too much. I'm t- I've been talking about, you know, in this moment, in this current phase of my life, I'm okay with saying the word nigga. Four or five months ago, I was like, nah, I need to move on from it. I need to move on from it. But right now, my perspective is it's part of the culture, right? It's part of the black experience. So I, I need to be able to say it, to be free. You know, we talk about black authenticity. To truly be free in America, I need to be able to say my nigga. I need to, I need to get on stage when I win an award and be like, yo, shout out to my nigga Diddy. Right? Instead of my good friend, my idol, ain't no soul in that, right? Ain't no soul in that. And we could, the black experience complains about not wanting white people to use the N-word, but you don't even, you, you're not using it, right? You want to use it in art and entertainment. Right? If I'm a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, if I'm a billionaire, I should be able to go on television and say my nigga whenever I want to whoever I want. That's freedom, right? If you grew, you know, again, if you grew up in that cultural experience, in that aspect of what the black experience is, if you grew up calling your friends nigga, yeah. Why are you stopping now? Where's the where's the authenticity, right? We're talking about authenticity, but Fail to realize that so much of us, our inner selves, have been shaved away to fit in with in, into these spaces. Of course, it's easy to be authentic. It, it's it, it's on one aspect, it's fraudulent, right? On one aspect, the authenticity we're presenting is fraudulent because you pick you you picked and choose and chose, right? I chose to buy these clothes. I chose to color my hair this way. 
I chose to exercise. I made all these choices so that I can be who I am and I am great and my choices make me better. That's easy. Making a choice is easy. Choices don't mean anything, right? But what about the things you innately have within you? What about your innate culture? Are you representing that as much and as often as you're representing the choices that you made? I did a post talking about nowadays, males are more vanity driven than females. Now, you know, the culture and the experiences putting women down for being vanity driven. Yeah, they are. Why not? Right. You're always looking at them. You're always oppressing them, telling them to look better. Why shouldn't they be? Why shouldn't they look good? Why shouldn't they to show themselves when they feel good and look, and look good? But you're doing the same thing. Right. And that's the hypocrisy in misogyny, patriarchy and all of that. Right. Are you representing your, your innate lived experience through it all? Or at some point, you just let it go. Right. Talk about being Haitian American and being aware that at some point it was just like, All right, I'm, you know, my, my mom's Haitian. That's cool. I'm in America. You're like, All right, I got to do what I got to do. Right. Not worrying about knowing the culture. My grandfather, my grandfather was the only person I spoke Haitian Creole with. He passed when he passed away. There was no one left. Right. I let it go and I move on because I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make sure I'm good so my children could be good and my family could be good and my friends can be good. Just trying to make it in America. I talk about the experiences of 2020, 2021, just waking something up in me. And finally, finally, allow me to reconnect with my innate culture. And that's part of, you know, the transition of not wanting to say nigga, thinking that we've grown past it, we're beyond it, but realizing that, no, it is innately part of who I am. I transitioned into the, the death of hip hop, man. It's hit or miss with me, right? Sometimes I post, I mean, I'll be putting work. If you follow me on TikTok, I'll be putting in work, right? I'll be doing 48 video series, 100 video series, and the shit just stay at like, you know, three plus followers. And then the random things, just talk about the big win, right? Again, you're like, I don't, I don't care. I want, I want the organic growth. I know people, I know everyone is saying organic growth is dead because of ads now. It's still there. The people are still there. You just have to do more work. I don't mind working, like I say. So the question was, is hip hop dead to the black experience? I play it. I honestly believe that unless something drastically changes, in the next three to four years, hip-hop being the staple for the black experience is over. Jack Harlow is a new guy, right? And I've seen Logic, you know, coming back out. I've seen, uh, what's that dude's name? Post Malone, is it? Post Malone is coming back out with music. It really feels like there's a push to focus on white rappers. And I get it because when you look at the transition of hip-hop... What it started with, um, Boom Bap is back now, right? Boom Bap is hip-hop from the 90s, early 2000s. And the phase prior to this phase, what came after the Boom Bap was the mumble rap. But the hip-hop from the 90s and 2000s, you know, the white rappers that emerged, they were unique and had their own style. You know, Eminem, Bubba Sparks, 
Paul Wall. Those are the three that I'm really, uh, I really, I, I rock with. I rock with their originality and I appreciate the, the essence and culture they, they, they've brought to the hip hop experience. You know, respectfully, mumble rap is the, respectfully, respectfully, right? It, it ends up becoming the, the bottom tier of hip hop, right? Like you look at the beginning when it came to lyricism and storytelling to mumble rap. And I talked about on down to two Kanye just mumbling words, right? Because that's just what the culture wants and accepts. And it's cool. Like you don't have to say a full word, right? You can just make a sound that rhymes and it's hot and I'm a rock with it. Mumble rap is dead at this point, right? So there needs to be a new emergence, right? And the easiest way to bring something new into the game is just to look into the past and recreate what's already been done. On the other side, we have the drill rap music, which is predominantly uh, black and in New York, Hispanic focused. And it's just violent and negative. And it, to me, I look at it as a lack of growth of the cultural experience. Like I talk about the black experience matters, matters, it matters, it matters. So if after, what, 30 years of hip hop music, if, you know, black people are still rapping about the struggles and the plight and the ops, where's the growth in the culture, right? Another side of it, right? You don't see these new age white rappers talking about any of that negativity. So gradually, gradually, you know, all this negativity, all this uh, hatred, all this uh, cap. Granted, matter of fact, it's not even cap anymore, right? Because a lot of these dudes are living it now. It's a different age. It's a different age, right? It's like it's like the '80s again out here, man. It's like the '80s out here. You know, J. Cole went on Angie Martinez' show. I believe she was on Power 105.1 at the time. It's a radio station in New York. And he talked about jazz, right? You look about, you look at what happened to jazz. You look what happened to all music, right? All music, for the most part, right, started out black. Whatever happens, right, whatever influences the shift, whatever leads to this moving past the culture, right, like, you know, you, 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 you built, you know, hip hop used to be a culture, right? You built this culture, you built this experience. Hip hop finally allowed black entertainers to like really profit and make money and bank off of their artistry. And now, you know, you just, it feels like it's just kind of being let go, right? The way jazz and blues and all the other music that, you know, black America has really brought to the forefront. And who's always there to pick up the pieces, right? Who's always there to swoop in and claim it, claim it and make it the standard for the existence, right? Jazz is Kenny G nowadays, right? Like, it's easy to be a futurist because all you have to do is look at the past and follow the patterns of social and human behavior. So again, like I said, I see the patterns I see the same thing happening, and I think about what J. Cole said. And I wonder and I worry if this is it, and I hope that the pioneers change the game at some point. Peace. 95 comments. 95 comments. 
and you know, I'm engaging with everyone because it's an every a lot of people have brought great perspective, um, and I'm, this is what I, I've, I've been looking for: the engagement, the um, it's a connection, a, a space to hash over ideas, but also learn. I pin the comment. A lot of times, black culture gives the approval stamp for this, so it, it's on us to keep them in their lane. Someone brought up Kendrick Lamar's dropping in a few days. Um, Hip hop ended with Eminem or pro- probably Kanye. As long as black black death is profitable, hip hop will always be predominantly black. I hope it doesn't because the, the dissing the dead people is a demonic. I replied that you know black artists are never protected. There's no handlers. There's no G code, right? Everyone's a nigga, but no one's my nigga, right? There's no mutual my nigga. Anyone looking out for you, right? You're supposed to protect your meal ticket. If your man's is the one putting bread on your table, you're supposed to be with him and protect him at all costs, right? We talk about protect. Uh, well, I, don't, I don't even know. Protect whoever at all costs, right? Protect this random celebrity. I don't know at, at all costs. You don't want to protect your man's. You don't protect your family. You don't protect your friends. Clout, right? XXX Tentacion again. Juice World. Juice World. One of his mans should have took that, right? Did a bid. However, however long that was, right? Juice World is a, is a young artist. Young artists have heart and compassion. So I, I envisioned, you know, actually nah. I said I don't want to speak on the dead. Actually, I'm not speaking for the dead. I envisioned. There we go. I envisioned. Well, I imagine, right? Like being that young and your friend doing that for you, you would take care. Of, you would take care of them, and right, and you set the standard and precedent. Like this is what we do now in hip hop, right? When your man takes when, when your man takes the L for you, he takes a charge for you. You look out for him, and you set the standard. But there's no one looking out for the youth to put them on to tell them about game, tell them how to handle situations. And also, we just don't know it innately because we don't see that as the culture. We always see the big dog going down. Also brought up Pop Smoke, right? Someone brought up IDK. I don't know what that is, but uh, Vince the Staples. And, you know, Vince Staples is dope. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of his, but you know, I brought up Tyler, the creator. Someone said J. Cole had this take in 2014. It's not going to happen. Um, and I was like, cultural shifts take a decade, right? We live... We we live day by day, but culturally we live in decades, right? The eighties, the nineties, right? That's how it is. And he was saying that they can replicate and participate, but they'll never be the source. And you know, seeing that the point, maybe my point wasn't clear, right? It's not about being the source. It's about taking ownership of it so that all people remember is you and the music. That's who they connected to. I listened to a, a white male say the it's like the greatest blues singer artist is a white guy and I was like what you talking about <laughs> the concept of the blues right is about pain and trauma blackness is born into an additional trauma that whiteness can never experience and more specifically the black male is born into additional trauma that a white male will never experience so by default Right. If you are a master of your craft and your craft is talking about pain and trauma, those additional layers that you have will allow you to supersede people who have never had those experiences or who can never talk about that level of pain and frustration. 
right? BB King, BB King can can sing to can make a song about anything a white male can experience, right? Unless he's talking about his privilege. But a white artist can never sell you the black struggle. The Gold's Condition and Podcast is sponsored by the Black Excellence Shop, shopblack366.com. 366 days of black innovators, game changers, and pioneers. Get your bundle today and use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off. Eventually, if you do not take claim and ownership of your culture, you will lose it. And the people who make it relevant in the present are the people who will claim ownership to it. And we see that everywhere, right? You know, talking about logic is biracial. Someone wrote that he's white passing. And I'm like, that's the new standard, right? The For some people, for some black people, the height of their experience is gaining white acceptance, right? For some white people, the height of the black experience is conforming. So the looking at cultural shifts, right? It's make, making random pieces and connections, right? The... Currently, 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 right? The height of American culture is the white man. Black man had his run, right? Black Black Lives Matter, right? I we we said it, like everyone knows. Okay, go on about it, right? Racism is over, right? It's all good. We we are family. I got all my sisters. Yeah, we good. We good. We good. That's the sell. Subconsciously, subconsciously, that's what they're selling to you. Who's the most notable woman today? Kim Kardashian, right? And not dismissing her own happiness, her own choices, and her own life, and her her life, right? Just talking about the cultural shift, right? Remember, we are living conditioned beings, what we see as high value is what we believe is high value. Kim Kardashian embodies that, right? Kanye out of here, right? Right. Beyonce and Jay are cool, right? But they're not pop culture. Or they're, rather, not, they're not pop culture. Well, Beyonce is more pop culture. Jay-Z isn't. But yeah, they're not as much as pop culture as Kanye and Kim were. So socially... Right. If the greatest artist of our generation, which is Kanye West, hands down, the greatest artist of our generation, who is a black man, isn't worthy to be with respectfully and realistically the greatest woman of our generation. The black man has lost value in society. You don't think so? And granted, you know, that that value is limited, but the symbolism meant something. We, We culturally, I think every black man in his 30s. Late 20s is the son to Kanye. He brought a new level of freedom that didn't exist in the black experience at this, at this level. He's mastering multiple arts. Arts, excuse me. I got two books. I said arts. <laughs> multiple arts. <laughs> oh, man, excuse me. And you, you see that in our current generation, right? The, the multiple artistry hustles, right? Finding different, new, different, new and different lanes, wanting to like really thrive in different lanes, not being limited, right? Wanting to be free and expressive. She gets with, Kim Kardashian gets with Pete Davidson, turns his hair blonde, right? 
Isn't Kim Kardashian's hair blonde now too? No, no, you don't think like that. To, to me, that's symbolism. You know, I won't try to be cool and sneaky. To me, that's symbolism. That that's the new standard. There's also a shift in interracial dating with black women finally being free, free enough to date outside of their race and free enough to not choose solitude over waiting for a black man. And that's a beautiful thing. Black women have, yo, right? I mean, we know, we know the direct innate sacrifices, right? But I, I feel like a lot of the single black motherhood is also just waiting on the black man to get his shit together, right? Missing opportunities, waiting for love that may not really, may not ever come. Because the black man is on some next shit, right? The black man sold y'all out in Africa, right? It wasn't, there weren't women leaders saying, all right, yeah, you know, take them, right, you take him right here. That was black men doing that to black men and black women. Black man is realistically, the black man is the original like oppressor, man. That's, you know, a, a, a lot of other wars were kind of fought over religion and differences of opinions. Black man was so for profit. That's it. Ain't do it in the name of a lord. Ain't do it in the name of someone, a higher power. They just did it for some tools or whatever. <sighs> Saying Jack Hall is not a pop star. He, not a rap star. And I replied, do you think commercial rap and pop rap bleed into each other? Or commercial rap and pop bleed into, bleed into each other? And they agree they did. They do, so... You can't tell, right? I, I, I it's rap. Maybe I, I mean maybe this is, she, the person is a bit younger, but it's rap. He's rapping just because it's on a pop beat doesn't take away from the fact that it's rap, right? That's what Fergie and Gwen Stefani was doing. They were rapping, right? Rap is rap. You're way off. Say more. Nothing, right? I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this based off of just awareness. Scrolling on TikTok and seeing more logic videos pop up, the algorithm, right? Seeing Post Malone video and him like previewing a song, smoking like, uh, yeah, listen to this, I'm about to drop this song, you know. I don't see no random black rappers in my feed. If I do, when I see famous black people on TikTok, Strolling through my For You page, it's nigga news. It's comedy, but it's also gossip, like the podcast, everybody out here gossiping. And I think only by default, because I like inspirational content, that I get a mix of black rappers offering inspirational business-minded content. Kevin Samuel just passed away. And I did two videos just, you know, saying salute to him, because I... I, ne I haven't listened to him or watched him. Like, I'm not a fan. I'm aware of him, aware of the work he's done. I'm aware of the controversy he's had prior to his death. And I made, I, I made a video just saluting him for his work, man, because so much of the press was just negative, self-proclaimed. And I was like, he has 1.2 million Instagram followers, 1 million YouTube uh, subscribers. He's not self-proclaimed. The people fuck with him. 
And someone replied that I was being misog that he was misogynistic. And I asked him, you know, like, you know, why do you think that? And he replied, um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll get the video. I'll get the video. How about that, right? Did I get rid of it? Maybe I deleted it, actually. Uh, maybe I deleted it. Sorry. Um, my, you know, my response was that he's a lot. A lot of the the negative response to him was just him just saying truth, right? And saying the uncomfortable truth that you know his, his audience was mostly female, but that a lot of women don't want to hear. But also, none of us want to hear the truth, right? It's not only women. None of us want to hear the truth. It's difficult to sit with. She talked about she talked about the person who replied talked about misogyny and the patriarchy. And I did a reply video and she messaged me and he gave me some additional information about things he said. And I was like, OK, I don't vibe with that. So I removed the videos. And it's a lesson on my first of all, it's a lesson on my end just to be like, don't don't bandwagon it. Right. It, it felt like bandwagon on one, one aspect. Another another part is don't pay tribute to people I don't know. Don't offend people I don't know, right? I was re I was reactive. I was mad that they were kicking a, a kicking a, a dead person, right? But I don't know him. I don't know who he, who he is who he is at heart. Never watched a full episode episode of anything he does, so you know the ether is the ether. It has nothing to do with me and the people whose life he has impacted, they will remember him and that's all that matters. But from that, and going back to the idea that a lot of what he says is hard truth, I believe that the next, uh, the, the person who's going to take his space socially is going to be a white man. And he's going to offer the comfort and the consoling and the, uh, the acceptance that Kevin Samuelson, excuse me, Kevin Samuels didn't offer. And part of me f feels that way because after the Tasha K lawsuit with Cardi B, I just felt like there was an influx of more white creatives talking about black news, right? They watched Tasha K slip. So now they have a new standard on how to present their content. And now they can, I don't say they, and now these white content creators are able to you know, mimic the work that's been done and uh, offer the same content and provide it to a white audience, right? Tying in with the transition of the white rappers and the staple of whiteness is being standard now, right? So although this is still random, you know, like I said, you know, although I gave a an intro of topics, right? There's no, like I said, so although I gave an intro of topics, it's still just, Random talk and making connections and offering perspective. Like I say, never try, never trying to influence this offering perspective. That's why I try to always keep it balanced, show the black and white side of it, and then introduce my gray. So that's how that last part part ends. And maybe you know, in the future, right? The, the, the ideal goal is like to have sponsors. So you know, I do my four segments, talk my talk. Someone shoots an ad, I talk my next. You know, that's how you get that's how you get paper in the future. That's how you get paper now. That's how I want to get paper in the future. <laughs> I've been podcasting for a minute, man. I've been podcasting for a minute. And a lot of it 
has been me trying to find my groove and my space and my comfort and my freedom of expression through it. A lot of times, I mean, well, today's the first time I'm standing, actually. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's different. And I want to be energized. And I think the combination of standing gave me the idea to have like the list so I could feel more free and visual. And, if, and you know, if, if I ever need to search anything, it's easier to do it instead of like having my arms cracked up. The last thing I want to talk about, <laughs> after I thought I'm finished rambling. The last thing I want to talk about is smoking. And it's kind of connected to um, the vanity aspect I've, I've talked about on TikTok, feeling like I'm stuck in vanity Twitter excuse me, feeling like I'm stuck in vanity, vanity TikTok because everyone's just showing their face or their body. And I, I get it it's because I like fitness and health um, and I show my face a lot, but it feels unnecessary. Like I started this, uh, sh- I started shirtless summer season and it's for the reserved content cre- content creators who are into fitness and health, but who just don't want to show off their body all the time. I did that. I did some videos, workout videos with like flexing initially. Then it's like, eh, everyone's doing it. It feels cheap, right? Has no real culture significance to the overall focus. Like what does seeing me be fit do for you at this level, right? I understand for for the other content creators who focus on fitness, it's for inspiration. I want to inspire you mentally, right? The messages and everything is about, yo, just honor yourself at the end of the day. Like I'm talking about wanting to say nigga. That's just me honoring myself. Honoring what I grew up with, what matters to me. Honoring my culture. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a goddamn minute. The Ghost Conditioning Podcast is sponsored by the Black Excellence Shop. Shopblack366.com. 366 days of black innovators, game changers, and pioneers. Get your bundle today and use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off. So smoking. Um, I smoked cigarettes for, ah, man, those was some good years. <laughs> From like 2010 through 2000 and maybe 15. And over the past six years, I've probably had three or four cigarettes total. I do them randomly. I smoke them randomly. Be more mindful of verb usage. I smoke them <laughs> randomly. And in the future, I think once we get a home, you know, I want, I want, you know, a porch or a backyard where I can just sit and have an occasional cigarette. And prior to that, I mean, I don't think I didn't smoke marijuana until I was like 21. My mother instilled fear in me. The drugs are bad. Good kids don't do drugs, right? Also, I was paranoid, right? I wasn't, I didn't grow up being a risk taker. I, I was reserved. I was reserved. I talked, I did a video talking about wanting to learn how to BMX freestyle bike, but couldn't do it because I didn't have that explosive energy in me because I was just a low, like, how, I was depressed. Like, how can you do BMX to do these explosive movements if you're depressed? That's my problem with hobby horn, right? Like, I always find things, and it, it's a good thing. I always find, uh, activities that just keep me inspired and just moving forward. I don't always necessarily master them, but I, I have a great experience with them. And part of the self-doubt and the frustration is like, ah, I'm not getting it, so let's just move on. 
But now finally being in a space where it's like, I have this creative energy, right? I'm more high vibrational. So why not talk and why not express more? Like even today thinking about doing this episode, I was like, maybe I'll get get a BMX bike (laughs) and try it again. But I'm not. I I have enough on my plate, man. I have enough. I want to enjoy being old, man. I want to enjoy being old. Oh man, um, hold on. <laughs> so low energy, not really a risk taker. So twenty one, right? Not ashamed that I like it. Is what it is. I don't care. <laughs> Same thing with cigarettes. Um, it is what it is. And you know, cigarettes were balancing out the alcoholism, right? That's the cliche. That's the cliche. Um, cinema, c- cinematic shot, right? glass of whiskey and a cigarette, right? A cigarette smoke just lighting up in the air, man. And those were the days I, I was still connecting with myself, but I was doing it just toxically, right? I still think about it. I still think about, like, will I ever just have a, gla- a glass and be like, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> I don't have, I, I can enjoy whiskey once a month. Sobriety is interesting, right? I'm, I'm, and this, this is connected. Sobriety is interesting because you're able to choose your individual no, right? Some people, it is the collective uh, wine and spirits. For me, it's just brown liquor or any hard liquor. I mean, I, I stopped drinking white vodka and all that years ago. I'm all right. I made a choice, no more brown liquor. I could drink wine, I could drink sake, drink a beer, but over the like over the years, I just gradually do it less. I don't like being bloated from the beer. I'm all right. Sake is nice, it's warm, it's great in the winter. And a glass of wine with like a nice meal, it's nice. I've, I learned the difference between a meal and dinner. No, no, no. I learned the difference between supper and dinner. Dinner is supposed to be at a restaurant, supper is what you eat at home. So supper's for poor people, essentially. <laughs> supper's for poor people, essentially. Right? Some people don't smoke cigarettes, some, and they can drink liquor. Some people smoke weed, but don't smoke cigarettes. We all had our vices that were toxic to us. Um, right now, I'm just talking about substances, but you know, everything could be an addiction at the end of the day, right? Talk about having an addictive personality. That was my choice, right? And I, at times I wonder if, you know, what happens if I do have a glass, right? The growth, if I'm supposed to be growing and healing and moving forward, the one glass shouldn't break me. That's what feels like growth. And it feels like I'm challenging myself um, to have the experience. I talked about the the little mini Hennessy bottle that I, I bought uh, the, December 31st. 2013 and I have since never opened it I made the decision not to you know drink it and just decided to cut off hard liquor on that day and I've taken it with me everywhere I was living in Miami I took with me to Palm Bay took took with me to LA took it with me to Virginia New York Denver everywhere it's in my suitcase and it is a reminder of how 
simple and how something so small could redefine, disrupt, and destroy my livelihood. And I always remember that. That's how I tell it to myself. This little thing right here, yo. Granted, I was, I was, I was, I was functioning. I was functioning. I wasn't going anywhere, but I was functioning. Sometimes I think, what if I just have a glass by itself? You know, I talked about, you know, once every few months, once a month, is having a cigarette on a porch, but also is having a nice whiskey, man. Think about that. Think about that. Yo, it sounds delicious, man. Oh, I'm salivating. I'm rubbing my hands just thinking about it. And then I'm like, you see, you're not healthy, sir. <laughs> you're not healthy. You're not healthy. You're not healthy. It's all right. It's all right. 2020, I smoke pretty much every day. <laughs> Multiple times on some days. Rarely, I mean, I could count on a few on maybe three or four hands, how many times I've done like a wake and bake. Like I woke up, the first thing I need to do was smoke and get through the day. Unless I'm going for a hike, unless I'm going for a, uh, a run, I'll do it if, I, if I'm if i consciously saying, you know what, I ain't doing shit today. I'll go out real quick, I'll come back in. But that, that year, man, it was every day. And part of it was finally being able, being able, finally being in a space where I could have it, right? I'd smoking off and on between, like, my late 20s, right? Late 20s, between 25 and, what was it, 34, right? But I was feeling paranoid because it was illegal in New York. You move and you have the access and it's like, yeah, I get it. I get why the dudes on the corner is on it. I get why they in the hallway on it. This this shit right here, right? I got something for your mind, your body, your spirit, and your soul, right? It's, it balances you out, man. That was a rough year, right? That was a rough year for all of us, but it balanced me out. I did a podcast called Hike, The Hike Lifestyle. Hike, high key, and me and my friend Shadi would get on the mic, smoke a little bit before, and just talk, parlay about life and uh, think news that's going on, perspectives. At some point, we had a, we were having a conversation, an idea of like being able to quit or or not being able to do it every day came up. Like, do I need it every day? Do I need it every day to function? And that sat with me. Because I was aware of what the last year was like. And it's always, it's, yeah, why not, right? World, world is going to end soon. Why, why not get high, right? <laughs> why not get high? Hold on. So I think I took about maybe two or three months off just to test it, right? Can you function? Can you get shit done? And I, you know, I wasn't just smoking just to get high and do nothing, I, I, initially, it started off like that. Right? It's watching TV, playing video games, relaxing. Then it's like, nah, I, I've talked about the snow cone strain, sativa. One day, the first day I had it, 
is when I first bought the Black Excellence Calendar and Journal. You can copy that. Maybe I should do my own promos. You can copy that. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> you can copy that. <laughs> the Black Excellence Shop. <laughs> you can copy that. You can buy it at, right? You can cop it or buy it. I like that, right? You, you can cop the Black X. <laughs> you can cop or buy the Black Excellence Calendar at shopblack366.com. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first purchased it and I needed to do photos for my Etsy page. And I just, yo, the world just brightened up. The world brightened up that day. And I came in the apartment and, yo, I just got a few books out. I got a few a few of the bundles out. I got a camera. Um, Like, I rotated the table and I just did a little photo shoot for my project. <laughs> I, you know, I had my pixel. I just did a little photo shoot for my project. And I was in that zone for like four hours and it was humbling. It was humbling. And I found myself like, this is what I want. I want the strain. It's the only thing I want. And occasionally, depending on where we, you know, get get marijuana, I'd get other things. Um, but knowing that that's what I liked. So a lot of last year was knowing like, I, okay, I want to, I mean, I, you know, I do it. I smoke before I do the podcast sometimes. Before I get on camera, before I do a TikTok, at times when I want to be creative, I, I smoke because it just awakens the natural relaxation. Um, it helps reconnect my brain synapses and signals and stories and ideas and words just flow so much better. And I understand that that's just my lived reality. But also, I know being behind a mic right now, it's just a lot easier. Um, the camera requires me to just look at it like a soulless robot, and I hate that. Last year, I used it for moments of inspiration. This year, a little bit too. But also, still working as equally hard while not on it. Because I, I want to guarantee that I'm, I'm not successful because I smoke weed. Ken, uh, Kendrick Lamar has a verse about saying like he's already on level five. And he's like, oh, you, weed can take me higher? I didn't, I didn't know that was even possible. I thought I was at the peak. In the Genius documentary, I was watching the Star Report and Star talked about, you never see Kanye smoking weed all the time, right? You don't see him smoking weed, like, ah, oh, I need to hit that to be inspirational. Natural talent, naturally creative, right? Because he's been doing it since he was a kid. When you get older, creativity is more challenging because we, we're not conditioned to create as adults. We're just conditioned to do mechanics and do repeti repetitive behaviors, Weed allows you to relax, reconnect with your childhood self, and you move your hands. Your brain is telling stories like you were what you were assigned to do as a kid, at least for me, right? But the goal in life is to not need the dependency because, again, the addictive personality would just manifest into new parts of your life, and you will never truly be free. So I find my balance. I talk about being mindful, right? Being mindful of your choices. Being mindful of your choices is, for me, being like, I, I brought the idea of, I mean, I've created, I haven't seen anyone ever talk about it, the idea of conscious eating. And for me, it's just being aware, like when I, when I have a craving, when I want something that isn't part of my everyday meal standard, I go back to when was the last time I had this? And if it's recent, I say, I'm okay. 
I said, I drink a Coke like once or twice a year just for the nostalgia of it. <laughs> I got frozen White Castle burgers. They were, they were, were trash, but it's for the nostalgia of it. Right? I'll, I'll never do that again. And then, you know, as you get older, adjusting and learning your body is, you know, finding what works for your for your diet so you you're in equilibrium. You feel balanced all the time, right? And I guess sometimes it's an addiction. I think about I have oatmeal every day, every morning. Is that an addiction? Right? Or is it just me being a minimalist? Is it me just really liking what I have going on? And occasionally, you know, throwing some bacon. I have eggs pretty much every day also. Um, and occasionally it's, you know, let's let's go get breakfast or let's order breakfast. Not so much anymore. You got to free yourself. And you have to be aware that you have to be aware of when you made this previous choice. The last time I had this, the last time I did this. Do I need it? Nah, I'm all right. Addictive personality is always going to manifest because that is the personality, right? It's just innately what you are, who you are. And I think most of us have it in some capacity. It's just that some people, you know, maybe they just have more confidence. They're able to pull, and innately pull from within innately push themselves, motivate themselves, and utilize their innate talents and inspiration to create art. And going back to Kanye, you know, if you've been doing it as a kid, it's just a lot easier, right? As an older creative, the challenge is working up to a point where I talk about small wins and large wins a lot on my TikTok, working up to a point where if if I if I am, I'm, I'm able to always, always look back and analyze, right? And this is part of having important conversations with people, right? It's important. That's why it's important to have dialogue so pe- other people can either challenge what you're doing, challenge your belief, challenge your views, challenge your behaviors, or ask questions that allow you to internalize your own choices and ask yourself those important questions. So again, my, you know, my friend Shervy asked me, do you think you could not do it every day. And I had to challenge myself and task myself with that. Sometimes it's just cold turkey. It's just like, uh, I don't think about it. It's not a big deal, right? I just don't go to the store and I, I don't re-up. And it's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. But then I re-up and now I, you know, I spread it out, right? It's an, it's an expensive, uh, expensive, expensive lifestyle, expensive habit, right? more, more expensive than cigarettes, right? Be mindful. Be mindful, man. Have a conversations. Look back. Reflect. Who's who's authenticating you? Like when when you imagined yourself when you were a kid and you imagined yourself as an adult, how did you speak? I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's difficult, right? The conditioning. Think about all the TV shows, right? Even TV is proper vernacular. And then when someone like Tiffany Haddish gets on screen. Uh, she ghetto, she this, she that. She's diversity. That's what she is. That's all I got, peace. The Ghost Conditioning Podcast is sponsored by the Black Excellence Shop, shopblack366.com, 366 days of black innovators, game changers, and pioneers. Get your bundle today and use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off. Peace.